Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Rich. It is so good to be with you all this morning. Hopefully, you've been having a great time of worship so far. We really appreciate your patience and understanding as we get our new system up and running. Um, If you're not sure if you're in the right spot to be enjoying our service, you should just go to onelifeseattle.org slash live. There, you're going to find links for our kids and youth resources, our online connection card, a new digital bulletin that you can download, and our live prayer app. I also want you to know there's two other resources there that we'd love for you to take advantage of. One is a notes section. So as we're teaching, as things come up in worship, if you want to jot those notes down, you can use that tab. You can email and print it off later. Um, It's a great tool to have at your kind of fingertips. Also, if you don't have a Bible or if you'd like it just right there, there's a Bible Uh, link there that you could just look up your scriptures um, right there next to the chat line. So I want to make sure you know about those. And again, thanks for your patience and understanding. Hopefully you've been able to engage in a fantastic time of worship. Today we are diving into week two of our brand new sermon series called Hearing God Today, which is a study of the book of Hebrews um, that we'll be spending the next 16 or so weeks on. So if you do have your Bible or you want to use that Bible app on our website, go ahead and Go to Hebrews chapter 1. That's where we're going to start, but we'll make through all the way through that chapter and a little bit into chapter 2 this morning. Um, But before we get going, um, let's pause and open our time with prayer. Father, Son, Spirit, even in the fact that we are all in very different locations, we thank you for your presence. That as we pause, as we breathe, We're all breathing in the same breath of God, the very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You are with us, giving us life. And so this morning, we ask that you would help us hear you through through your word, um, through our prayers, through our worship, um, through our dialogue, our chats, whatever it is, help us hear you and know you as close as we know our breath. And pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, let's start with a little review, or as Greg called it last week, pre-work. Now, what we learned and what's fascinating about this book is that when it comes to who wrote it, who were the recipients, when was it written, literary genre, the purpose, the occasion of this writing, um, basically the answer is we don't know. Uh, there's all kinds of brilliant scholars, theologians, um, studiers of this book who have all kinds of ideas and thoughts about who did all these things and what it was all about. But as far as super conclusive evidence that gives clear answers to these questions, the truth is we don't know. There aren't any. And if you missed Greg's introduction to the series last week, you really should go back to listen to it because he covered a ton of information and it was super helpful. Now, you might be thinking, Rich, how do we study this book and learn from this book if we don't have all this information, which is a valid question. It actually leads to why we called this series Hearing God Today, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, But you see, back um, to the story of this idea of doing this study, we landed on doing this close to a year ago. 
And um, it was way before the pandemic, way before any lock-ins or any of those kinds of things. And when we decided to do this series, we didn't have a title. We just knew we were going to spend an extensive time studying the book. Now, as we got closer to the series getting launched, Greg was working on nailing down how the series is going to flow over 18 weeks while I was working on kind of the series title, artwork, and the likes. And one of the most common kind of titles and variations of titles that we see over and over again for the study online is something like this. Jesus is greater than everything. Now, if you look at the first chapter of this book, especially the first four verses we looked at last week, you can see why this title would make sense. So let's do that. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4, it says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things through his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Your Bible, if you're looking at it, may even title this section something like the sun is superior to the angels or God's final word. And as Greg taught us last week, we see seven powerful statements teased out right from the start that tell us a bunch of things about Jesus, particularly that Jesus is appointed heir of all things, that God made the universe through Jesus that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being, that Jesus sustains or upholds all things by his enabling powerful word, that Jesus made purifications for all sins and that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Then we see verse four builds on all of this and says this, um, because of all these seven things, Jesus became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So in short, it feels like the author is basically saying Jesus is greater than everything. Now, the scripture continues. And this author is an incredible writer. Not only is this author smart, she is educated. She's an incredible communicator. She's eloquent and speaks with fantastic images. She clearly knows her audience and knows the Torah both in study and in action. And now to be clear, I referred to the author as a she, and there's good reasons to believe it could be a woman, but again, we don't know that for sure. I just absolutely love to think of it as being so. So don't get caught up on pronouns. That's just where I go with this. Uh, it's not as important here. Um, but we want to keep moving in the text. So, so after laying down these seven incredibly powerful descriptions of Jesus, this author continues to speak about angels and how Christ is superior. She uses a type of literary genre that comes up often in this book being um, exposition and then exhortation. And so verses 5 through 14 is all this exposition, taking the most common scriptures of the day from the Torah, and this audience would have known these, and shows how Christ is superior. 
And that lays down the foundation for the exhortation that comes after in the very beginning of chapter 2. So let's look at this exposition here briefly, starting with verse 5 through 14. It says this, For to which of the angels did God ever say, quote, You are my son, today I have become your father, unquote. Or again, quote, I will be his father and he will be my son, unquote. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But God, the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness therefore god your god has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy he also says in the beginning lord you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you remain they will all wear out like a garment you will roll them up like a robe like a garment they will be changed but you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, there is so much going on just in this section alone that we could talk for days and days about it. And I'm not going to be able to hit it all. So we're just going to kind of bust through what's going on here. So the first thing we see is in verse 6. The writer is quoting Psalm 97.7 to show that God intends the angels to worship the Son, Jesus. She then quotes three more passages about the Messiah to contrast Jesus with the angels who, according to Psalm 104, verse 4, which is quoted here in verse 7, are servants of God rather than living expressions of him. So right off the bat, the author is making this comparison and showing Jesus being far greater than the angels. The author continues, and the second thing we see is in verse 8 and 9, where the letter quotes Psalm 45, verses 6 through 7. It says this, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So this is this really cool passage because it addresses the king, which the psalm that's being quoted is all about this king. And it's set up as if the king is God. And it speaks of this king in this godlike way as exercising a sovereign rule through which uprightness, justice, and the rule of, of the true law are all put into effect into the world. And there's Lots of scriptures throughout the Bible that echo this idea. You see, one of the great themes about God's future purposes throughout the Bible is that God longs for real justice. And we are all too aware of the injustice and wickedness that are all around us, right? It seems like it's flourishing around us. And all you have to do is look at the news or social media just for a few moments for this to be obvious, 
So this promise on its own would be a good one for us to reflect on. But God's aim of forgiving the sins of his people is all part of the larger aim, which is to create a world in which at last evil has no place in it. And the point of the psalm, as the author of Hebrews quotes it here, is that all of this is to happen not through angels, they're just assistants in the process, but through the true anointed king, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen? So, again, building off this superiority of Jesus. Now, we get to the third section. This comes from Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. That's quoted here in verse 11 and 12 of Hebrews chapter 1. And it says this, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like nothing you will change. Uh, like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. So the scripture is talking about this idea of this coming time the psalm talks about when the present world, earth and heaven alike, will be rolled up like a scroll. A new heaven and a new earth will take their place. And Hebrews returns to this theme again and again at the end of chapter 12. And so much of this letter from here to the very end of the book is understood within this framework, which is really cool. God's foundational purposes through the law and the prophets prophets have reached their climax, if you will, in the Messiah. And the Messiah himself will be the one who will see God's plan of salvation and justice through this ultimate new age, the the age to come, the time of a renewed heaven and earth. The scripture says later in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The angels, they were preparing the way, but Jesus is the one whose life and saving rule will last to all eternity. So it's just building about who Jesus is in comparison to the angels. We get to the last one in the section, and this is again a shorter one in verse 13. It's quoting Psalm 110 verse 1 where it says this, they will perish but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them back. Uh, Oops, sorry, wrong slide here. This is the verse that's in 13, quoting Psalm 110, verse 1. It says this. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? So this last passage, which was widely used by early Christianity to interpret the meaning of Jesus's Messiahship, the, the author of Hebrews is basically going to come back to this concept over and over again throughout the book. And what it is doing is it's speaking to this idea of the enthronement of God's true king at God's right hand and of the sovereign rule which Jesus is going to exercise until everything that hinders his purposes of justice and salvation is defeated. So, so once again, nothing like this is ever spoken about the angels, right? And so Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, is concluding the angels are simply servants with a job to do for God's purposes. 
And so once we see who the son really is and the role Jesus was always intended to play in God's plan, you won't want to go back to anything or anyone else. And so again, this all leads us to this sense that the author is trying to get at, which is that Jesus is greater than everything. But this is where I think the Holy Spirit really stepped into our planning process and into our current situation in Seattle 2020 in the midst of a pandemic of all things. And we have to go back to the very beginning of chapter one to catch it. Look what it says in verse one and two. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So what we see from the very beginning is that God is speaking. We see our God communicating to us from the very beginning of creation. And God is telling us about Jesus. And that has not changed for eternity Now, in our day-to-day, we probably don't think about angels nearly like they did back then, let alone are we influenced by angels like they were back then. So what are the angels for us today? What are the things that kind of represent angels and how they communicate to us in which we allow them to have great influence on us. And so that's what we think about. What are the things, what are the people that when they speak, we stop and listen, that they influence us in our actions? So maybe take a moment or jot down, ponder for a moment, the things in your world, in your day-to-day that have great influence on you and how you live your life and how you see the world. I'm going to show you a picture here. Um, This is a sketch that my great aunt, Sister Lillian, once drew. She's now 98 years old and has been a nun since she was around 16 years old. And what's interesting about this is that Sister Lil uh, was actually not known for drawing. She was known for her oil paintings. And so back in the day when she was a nun, she ran this small store within this convent selling her art and all the painting money that she got from it went to help care for the poor and impoverished in the very difficult neighborhoods in New York City. And what's really cool is that apparently one of her paintings is hanging somewhere in the Vatican. um, And she even has a letter from the Pope about it and saying thank you for it, which is so crazy, right? Like a letter from the Pope. Now, in her old age, it's gotten harder and harder for her to hold on to the big platter of paint and the paintbrushes and all this stuff. And so she hasn't done that for a very long time. Um, But my dad bought her this sketch pad with pencils and the likes. And having never really done any drawing before, this was the first thing she drew. It's of Jesus, and she wasn't looking at anything for ideas. This is just what came out of her by using her hands and and sketching out these markings. This is a picture of me with Sister Lil five years ago. So she was 93 then. She's looking pretty good. Um, 
Now, the reason I bring this up isn't just because I think it's cool, because I think it's very cool, um, but I bring it up because there's a lot of people in this world who hold the Pope um, as a person of great influence. So just the thought of having a letter from the Pope to you about your artwork would be pretty legit, right? But imagine if the Pope knocked on your door and had a message for you. If the Pope came all the way from the Vatican to give you a message from God, you'd probably stop whatever you're doing and listen, right? But here's the thing. The Pope is not God. And the Pope is not Jesus. And like the angels, the Pope is simply a messenger in this case. His words are not the eternal words of God. And so the book of Hebrews is saying Jesus is the one we should be listening to, not the angels, not the Pope, not social media or political parties or anything that holds incredible influence on who you are and what you're about. We should be giving our attention to Jesus. And so Hebrews is saying, in light of all that is said in chapter one about Jesus, including what we talked about, Jesus being the heir of all things, making the universe through Jesus, and that Jesus being the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's being, how Jesus is able to sustain and uphold all things through his powerful enabling word, how Jesus made purifications for all sin and is now sitting at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, In light of all this, chapter 2 then begins by saying this. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. I'm going to say that again. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, we shall, how shall we escape it if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced or spoken by the Lord, was confirmed, again, spoken to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Again, it says we need to pay careful attention and to listen. God is speaking. And it's this message that is the key to this book. Different from back then, most of us don't need to be convinced so much in logic that Jesus is greater than angels or anything else for that matter. But really, are we listening to Jesus? And are we hearing God today? And why is this so important? This is where the exhortation part of this text comes and why I love this series because the writer is concerned of people drifting away from what they have heard, drifting away from the power of the eternal word of Jesus Christ. And this is a concern that all of us should be concerned about in our day-to-day because it's been going on since then. It's still a concern today. I remember on my honeymoon in Hawaii, Stepping into the ocean with flippers on for the first time. Most of you know I don't know how to swim. I'm already awkward, but throw big flippers on me and it gets crazy. And I remember 
that sense of the sand washing out from underneath my feet and how easy the waves and the current could move me around. And I remember going underwater with my goggles, looking at the fish, and then coming up for air, shocked at how much I had moved by the current, not, o- not even realizing it. I was super subtle, and I wasn't even aware that I had been moved by this. So the picture the author uses in this first verse is of a sea causing one to drift away from what they hear. And what is it we're hearing about? God here is speaking to us about salvation, asking us the question, are we drifting away from our salvation? That's a really good question. So imagine being in a little motorboat, some way out from shore, needing to find your way along the coast to the right harbor. You need to keep the engine running and your firm hand on that little tiller. And if you don't, there's no guarantee that you'll drift in the right direction, right? And there's every likelihood that you will drift in the wrong direction, perhaps into the rocks, um, crashing into something, or worse, maybe being pulled out into the wild ocean to the point where you don't see any land and you have no idea what direction to go. So this is a warning, if you will, to us Christians just like it was to the original hearers of the text. Perhaps especially for those of us who've grown up in the church or have been a part of a church community for such a long time because we all know that it's very easy to suppose that we can just kind of take the pressures off and allow other people to do the praying and the thinking and the studying and the maturing and all of that and we can just kind of go along for the ride and we can slow down and stop putting effort into things and just kind of go with the flow. Think of it as like the dead man's float where you're doing nothing and you might even fall asleep, but the water is taking you someplace. And the problem is if we haven't got our own hands on our own motor that's running and our own hand on that tiller, we can drift further and further away without even realizing it. And so during this pandemic, and us not being able to meet together as a church in community, I found myself listening a lot more. Even right now as I speak, it's so weird to be in this big room and I can't hear really anything. There's no one responding. But one of the things I've been hearing is that some of the ways we've done church, both our church and the church as a whole, in many ways has drifted from its original intent. In many ways, we've drifted from it being simply a place to gather regularly, just to remember Jesus, to remember our salvation that we celebrate in communion, to remember the importance of making space to worship and to pray and to serve and to learn, to share life and resources, to invite people in, to reach out and to support one another. Instead, we often get caught in the pull of a current that calls for numbers or is attentive to who's missing or who's late. A current that makes us think more about preaching styles and the volume and and seating arrangements and musical preferences and lighting and, and kids programs and you name it. Or we get taken away by the waves called work 
and house projects and, and getting outside in the sun or sleeping in. In subtle ways, these all start causing us to drift away from what's really important. We listen to these things and are influenced far more by these than Jesus. And let's be really honest. We all do this at times. I do this at times. We all do. And so we need to hear God speaking and we need to be listening. We need to pay close attention to the spirit in our day-to-day life to continue to go deeper so we don't drift away. So how do we hear more of God speaking to us today? So there's this kind of well-known story that imagines this very devout Christian who's stuck on a ledge halfway down this cliff hundreds of feet below and there's this raging sea crashing along the jagged rocks surrounding him and above him is this sheer kind of unclimbable wall of rock and so he prays fervently for God to rescue him. He's praying over and over and then suddenly this giant eagle appears and invites him to climb on his back which is pretty incredible, right? But he refuses. A little while later, he's still praying fervently and this small aircraft comes by and waves at him and says, do you need help? And, and he kind of waves it off and refuses the help. Continues fervently praying and then a helicopter circles around offering to drop a rope ladder and again, he refuses it and he continues to pray, Lord, why don't you rescue me? And God answers, I sent you a giant eagle, a plane, a helicopter, and a ladder. Why didn't you use them? Right? Now, it's really weird to tell a joke, and there's no one in here responding. Um, Although it's not that great of a joke, so you may not have responded anyways. But what it illustrates is how often God is communicating to us and even answering our prayers, but we miss it because either we aren't listening, we aren't paying close attention, or we're stuck on an idea of how God will speak and answer our prayers, that we straight up miss God at work altogether. Now look what it says in Hebrews chapter two, verses three and four. It says, this salvation, which was first announced, spoken by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So God speaks, God confirms, and God testifies or, or proves what he's saying in action through signs and wonders and the likes, and God uses the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit to speak to us as well. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say God speaks through giant lightning bolts and deep voices that sound like Darth Vader, right? It says God speaks through the spirit at work in us, in the people of God, in community. And that's the other thing that I've been hearing during this pandemic. I've been hearing story after story after story of people being the church more than ever. Isn't it interesting that we can't meet together as the church, but in many ways we are more so being the church in our day-to-day life. We are caring for one another, praying for one another, serving one another, learning together, but also we're reaching outward, doing double time with dinner church, online tutoring, 
people helping others with childcare, getting groceries for people, bringing meals to those in quarantine, making masks for people, purposely supporting local businesses, and the list goes on and on. It's crazy how in many ways I'm seeing our church flourish more now than before the pandemic. Even in our worship, I feel like in our distance, the desire to worship together has turned into a deep longing. Even though we're separate in our homes, we feel an energy when we come together like we have today. I don't know about you, but every time we come to worship, it's been like this refreshment for my soul. And if you've missed the last two weeks where Brian has done something midweek, I can't tell you how much I recommend you engaging with that. Because I don't know about you, but there are times when I stop and wonder what day it is. I, I wonder what I used to do with my time before the pandemic. And I've had really great times with my family and also not so great times. And I've had times where I'm actually pretty cool with this whole lock-in thing and other times where I feel completely exhausted and spent and trapped. Honestly, especially this week, working on this new system. But in the midst of all this, and everywhere in between, this book, Hebrews, has been reminding me of our God who speaks. Our God who is the eternal word. Our salvation. Our God who is alive and present and with me and with us at every moment, giving us a life to live and a life to live out for the glory of God. And so as we end today, I want you to know that yes, Jesus is greater than everything. But more than that, I want you to hear God today speaking, inviting you to pay close attention, inviting you to go deeper and not drift away. And I also want you to hear that when you live out your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit works in you so that you speak salvation in action to those who need to hear it. When you do that, you confirm and you testify to the truth of Jesus with your choices and your behavior and our community and our city needs this more than ever. May that be continuing to grow in us as we move in our day-to-day. Now, I'd like to invite Brian to come back. He's going to play instrumentally for just a bit to allow us some space to ponder what we've heard. And if you're willing, I would love for you to take a moment to click on that online connection card. I would love to hear your thoughts on any of these questions. I have three of them. Whether you answer one or all three, that'd be awesome. It's super helpful to hear from you, especially with this distance. Um, The more we hear from you, the better. Here's the questions. Number one, what did you hear God saying to you today? And the beauty of this question, there's no right or wrong answer. What did you hear God saying today? Number two, would you say you're more prone to paying attention to the Spirit or to drifting away? And again, I invite honesty. I think that goes in and out for me. So I'd love to hear from you. And then the last question, what are some action steps you could take to help you pay more attention to hearing God today? 
Feel free to use this space in just a moment to pray, to confess, to own, to give thanks, to receive, to be filled, to dream, whatever you feel called to in this time. We'd love to hear from you. I also want you to note that if you you have any prayer requests, our prayer app is live. And and by submitting your prayer, um, someone from our prayer team will be in touch in the order which was received. You'll set up a private chat line that you can communicate your prayer requests and they would be honored to pray with and for you. I'm going to close our time with prayer, um, and then Brian is going to give us a little space to reflect, and then we're going to join together with one last song of response. So with that, let me pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we again pause, and we remember your presence. We remember your salvation. We remember your grace. We did nothing to deserve this. Not even the breath that we're breathing right now, and yet you give us life, you save us. Your Holy Spirit is in us, and your spirit, just like the beginning of creation, is speaking still today in us. And so God, we ask that you would help us to hear you and respond to you. And that as we hear and respond to you, help us to be... um, people who testify to who you are, to the salvation that is available to all in you, Jesus. As you lead us, may we glorify your name. May we speak of the truth of who you are. Uh, May it give you praise. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.